Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, on to the end of the chapter. So when y'all think about strength, who comes to mind first? Who are the strong people you know? It's interesting to look at how our definition of somebody who's strong develops as we grow. When you're little, who's the strongest person in your life generally? We always talk about our dads, don't we? Because our dads do things and we watch them. And then I think as we get older, if we're smart, we figure out our moms are pretty strong too. And then as we grow, we realize there's more to strength than just physical strength. Then when we start looking at who is strong, who do we admire with strength, we start to see people that no matter what their age, no matter who they are, we start to see the traits in them, not just in physical strength, but we can find people who are emotionally strong. We'll find people who are strong mentally. We'll find people that are that in their life that you're just amazed at what they've come through and what they've handled. And we go, that's something special. I think uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, as we get through here, he talks about strength. But I think the question here is that we've got to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be spiritually strong? You know, when you're physically strong, that's easy to define. I could find you all kinds of pictures of these people who have worked and, you know, they've got the muscles to show it. And they're picking up big weights and they're doing all kinds of things. And we know physical strength comes across that way. Emotional strength is a little bit hard to measure. Spiritual strength. How do we define it? What does it mean to be spiritually strong? How many of us would say that we're strong spiritually? And I think Ephesians chapter 6 is going to give us a great reminder about how that all fits together and what comes to, how it all comes together. I think when we talk about spiritual strength, that there's a lot of people that we could describe and, and know in our lives that are spiritually strong that we say, I wish I had a faith like theirs. We see how they've lived. We see how that comes out and we, we admire what they've come through and their expression of their faith in their living. And I think that's the goal that as we go through in Ephesians 6, um, how he describes what spiritual strength, what it means to be strong and what it's all about. Now, the thing about spiritual strength, the purpose in it, he says in verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Remember that phrase, take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then in verse 13, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, verse 14, stand firm then. Do you hear that emphasis? The goal in spiritual strength is to stand no matter what the circumstances that surround you. No matter what's happening in life, no matter what goes on that's in your faith, and no matter what happens, you're able to stand firm. Easy to say. But the other part of that is that we have to realize that that ability to stand isn't, isn't about me. I think when we start talking about spiritual strength, sometimes, and maybe it's just me, I start thinking about how I need to be stronger. I need to be better. I need to be able to take on more. I need to be able to handle things better, and I, and I have trouble doing that. But in Ephesians chapter 6, the strength is based on not me. But we'll watch in these phrases, who is it based on? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. It's God's armor so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
Put on the full armor of God, he says again in verse 13. And that over and over again, he, he tells us, get stronger, do better. He's not telling us that. He says, be strong in the Lord. Put on the armor that, that, that God provides. It's, it's God that is the central part of how we become strong. Because if we're going to be strong in this world, if we're going to handle things, it's not going to be us. It's going to be who we rely on. How many of us growing up thought we were helping our dads do something, push something, move something, and in the reality, we made it a little bit harder because here we, he was picking up something and we thought we were helping and we were on the side and we thought we were doing something. And maybe the picture of spiritual strength should be more like that. That we're just joined together with God and getting through this life. Now, the thing that we're going to handle and, and the reminder is what we're, what we're having to work against isn't spiritual strength isn't about our ability to change our habits. I mean, how many of us have habits in our lives that we're like, I need to do better at that. I need to stop doing that. I, I need to be able to talk like I need to talk. Uh, ran into a fellow. Found a fellow that was a great extrovert at the HEB gas station uh, yesterday. And he had a shirt on that said, I have the right to remain silent, but as a sailor, I do not have the ability. And so, <laughs> and so when you think about that, you know, when we think about our, our, our ability to change habits, I want to, I want to talk better. I want to be able to, to say what needs to be said to encourage. I don't want to be derogatory. I want to watch what I say. I want to be able to do the things that I need to do in my life. There are habits I want to take out. There are habits that I want to add. But see, the spiritual strength isn't about that. Spiritual strength isn't a matter of, um, oh, looking at what goes on in, in me. It's the, I want to be able to focus on God. So here's what we're going to, we're going to have to look at. In verses 14 to 17, he says, here, here is the basis of our strength. We're going to put on God's armor so that we can stand. But the idea is, what is it trying to get us to focus? When we put this armor on, what does it change about us that allows us to get through, to take our stand, to be able to go through whatever comes our way? So we, we know this. He says, stand firm then. There, that, there that, it is again. It. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And as we look at all of those, I want us to keep a reminder. He's not saying, here's what you need to develop and grow within yourself so that you can be strong. He's telling us, here's some things we need to have in our lives so that we turn our focus on God. Because every one of this, every one of these characteristics is uh, is getting our focus on God. When we think about the, the the belt of truth, well, what does he mean, truth? Does that mean we become the truth? Where does truth come from? And we know that when we talk about truth, we're talking about what God says, what God's standard is. Now, truth can also lean toward whether we make it part of who we are and our integrity. But the, the, the flip side of integrity, it means we're honest about our weaknesses. When you think about Satan's schemes to try to take us down, what the devil does to try to trip us up, how many times will he accuse us that we're not doing what we need to do and look how much we've messed up? So what do we do with that if we're going to get through what Satan accuses us? The truth called confession. I said, yeah, I messed up. I did. That was wrong. That doesn't make us weak. 
it, it puts us into God's hands even more because we're trusting God to take care of us in our weakness. We're trusting God to know. He already knows how we messed up. And He's the one that forgives. He's the one that provides. And what gets us into trouble is when we can't acknowledge the truth about ourselves and to say, if we can't say how we messed up and we try, or we try to pretend like we've got it all under control, then we're weak. And we set ourselves up where we're going to fall hard because Satan then, in needling us about all our failures, gets us set up to where we feel like we've got to make ourselves look more and more perfect. And the reality is we never can be on our own. And the truth is to be able to acknowledge God's right. What I said there was wrong. What I, what I was had going on in my heart was wrong. What I did was wrong. And then God's able to take us and help us in our honesty. We acknowledge the truth of what God has in mind. We, we talk about righteousness, breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness were you talking about? How good are we at making ourselves righteous? Yeah, very good. We can go back and uh, find a reference how our righteousness is pretty much filthy rags. So are we, is he saying that we didn't make ourselves perfect? Put on the righteousness that you've developed and become perfect at so that you can stand up against Satan. That's never going to work. But we do know that the righteousness that we need is the righteousness God gives us through Jesus. Because when we put on Christ in baptism, how righteous do we become? I mean, what does he do for us? And so that righteousness that, that we look for, God's righteousness, what He gives, and then what He determines we need to have. Righteousness also can lean toward the idea of justice. Having our focus on what God says is important. But in all of this, we're looking at what Satan would try to attack us with when we keep turning to God and saying, I need God to take care of me. I need Him to take away everything, all of my sins. I need Him to provide for me. And I'm going to rely on Him to get me where I need to be. The, the uh, whoop, I didn't mean to push that yet. Uh, when He talks about the, uh, here, the sandals, we're going to be, we're going to put on the, be ready for the gospel of peace. And now we've got a couple parts there. We can either talk about the gospel, the good news, we can talk about peace. But the thing about both of those kind of things is neither one of them is about us. Both of them are about what God has in mind for all of us. That the, that his goal is to get us where we need to be. And the good news is, is just that. It's for getting us where he wants us to be and providing for us. And the peace that we have when we're able to rest because of what God has done for us. When we're able to rest, be at peace. Isn't because we've, we've done it ourselves. It's because we're trusting God to provide for us. And we're able to sleep. To rest in life. Because of what God is doing in us. That idea of the, the helmet of salvation. Who provides salvation? We still keep pointing out to God, don't we? It's God who saves. And if Satan wants to point out all of the mistakes of our past, all we have to do is, is keep in mind what God has done for us in the present in Christ. That all of those sins that have gone before, where are they? They're gone. And that God has brought us back to where, where He wants us to be. He's made us blameless. He's made us holy. He's brought us back home because of what He's done in Jesus Christ. And all the accusations that Satan can throw at us, we can say, that's true, that's what I did. But let me tell you what God has done through Jesus Christ. 
And that's going to get me through. That's going to provide what I need in every moment. Uh, and the Word of God itself, the sword of the Spirit. And when he, when he lays that out, we, we have to realize it's not us and our abilities. It's, it's coming back. Because you think about what happened in, in when Jesus is confronted by Satan and, and being tempted. What did he respond with every time? The Word of God. So every temptation, everything that comes along, it's what God says that's going to provide for us. It's going to be able to direct what needs to have happen. And so when we think about what Satan may do to us and what goes along in all of that, we have to know this is what matters. I want to get my focus on God because it's when I hold on to him that I'm going to get through whatever comes. I, I thought uh, Peterson did pretty well in, in this section in the message. But he, he folds it all together in this way. He says, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Isn't that a great way to say that? That reminds us, strength isn't us handling on our own. Strength is putting our trust in the one who can. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. I, I, that phrase, all the, well, it's all over but the shouting. We don't use that very much anymore. We need to. He says, truth Righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's Word is an indispensable weapon. I thought how he worded this is very good for us to remind us our focus. He says the armor of God isn't a matter of just talking about talking about truth and righteousness and, and salvation and peace and, and all of these things. He's not talking about these words and, and saying that's what we need. It's taking them and putting them into our, our hearts and our minds, our thinking, into our lives, so that we'll be able to use them. Because when we apply truth to ourselves, when we use truth to whatever, whatever Satan may bring our way or whatever comes into our, our hearing, when we focus on what's true, it's going to help us keep our, take our stand. When we, when we talk about uh, righteousness, you know, when we, when we realize the truth about it's not a matter of me being perfect, it's knowing what God has provided for me. And then every accusation Satan throws at me isn't going isn't to stick because God is the one that I'm trusting to get me where I need to be and take care of me. We talk about peace, talk about faith, salvation. Everything is intended to get us to focus on God and realize He's our hope and what we need every day as we go along. So the, the thing about that is we need to remember that what we're, what we're taking our stand against, again, is the devil's schemes. So we're not having a battle that's like any other. We're, we're, we're trying to make changes to where we have our focus to get us through what Satan may throw at us. Because in this world, his, you know, his greatest... His greatest weapon against us are, the, well, I want to say lies, but it's a little bit of the truth at times, too. He's not going to come push us over, but his plan, his desire is to get us to, to give up, to get us to let go of what gives us our hope. To get us to think we can do it by ourselves. And he can do it in a way that makes us feel, feel righteous. And not feel like we've done anything wrong at all. But if he can take us away from God, 
the harm he does to us, the harm he does to all of us together, can be tremendous because we've taken our, our focus off of God. Because we're not fighting a physical battle. Says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I was trying to remember who it was that gave a picture one time that if we could peel back behind the curtain of this physical world, what we would see would scare us to death or leave us in awe. Y'all remember the book of Daniel? Daniel prays. Angel comes to his side. said, well, I was held up because I was having to battle. And he starts listing how the spiritual battles that are going on in the background, the nations and all that goes on, that, that there was so much going on behind the scenes that we couldn't see. And it makes you think about what goes on that we can't see, that our battle isn't about physical things. And if, when we think it's about physical things, we look for physical solutions. If, we're gonna, if we think about our, our goal is to, to make things happen this way, sometimes one of our solutions is to make the right kind of laws to make people behave. Do you know how well laws do that? They don't, they don't really. Just I tell you what, if you, don't think, if you believe laws will fix things... I've got a four-way stop sign down here on, uh, well, you can pick a, little, a couple of them. And down here at 5th and, uh, and, and B, there by the, uh, the park. Pull you up a lawn chair and just watch how many people roll those stop signs. I'm thinking, we're missing a great source of revenue in town. But the thing about that is we know, we can say it's a law, you're supposed to stop. But I, I guarantee people who roll through there aren't thinking I'm breaking the law. They're thinking, nobody's coming. Why do I need to stop? No big deal. We, we just, and we'll do that with all kinds of things in life. That's an easy one to, for us to, to bring out. So when we think about that, if I can just get everybody to behave, we'll be doing good. But the reality is we can, we can behave perfectly well on the outside and have turmoil going on, on the inside and be a big old mess on the inside. And what we need to... To address is what's going on in hearts. And so our, our battle is over in, in realms that we may not even see and the influences around us and, and the realities of all that because what God is fighting for, what God wants of us is for our hearts, our souls. And we can behave perfectly well and miss out on what God wants us to be. So when we think about this battle that we're, that we're in, we're not looking for the idea of, of if I just can do better, if I can be better. If I, it's the idea of how much am I focusing on God and becoming His in every way. And I think a reminder of this, he talks about our struggle is not, is that we're not helpless in the midst of all this. We're not helpless. We need to be aware. And know where our help is. That we turn to God and what He provides for us. And hold on to Him to get through. Our strength comes from God. Because it's His, not ours. But we're, we're still part of this. Uh, you know, part of uh, any of this is a reminder that we're not alone in any of this at all. 
We're not alone. And so we, we know we have God as part of it, but he also has given us the wonderful gift of each other. So what do we do for each other in the middle of all these battles in this life? First thing he says, verse 21 and 22, he's, he says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. It always amazes me that Paul, Paul the Apostle, who's, who's been shipwrecked, been beaten, been whipped, been stoned, been imprisoned, been gone through all kinds of things because he's preaching the gospel and he will con- always and continually say, pray for me. I need it. That's one of the things we can do. We can do for each other that makes a tremendous difference. That's why I think some of the most spiritually strong people are those who feel like they can't do anything to help because they've forgotten how they help in their prayers. To know, to know those, and maybe there's there's the people we need to remind ourselves of, the folks that may not be able to get out of their house, that may be sitting in a nursing home, but are praying for every one of us, are, are the warriors that we need. Calling God for help for each one of us. And so he, he reminds us, Pray. We help each other in these prayers. And it keeps our focus on God, that he's our help. And, 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 and being there for each other in that manner. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant of the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am, I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. So there's another aspect of how, when we walk in this world, how we make a difference in each other's lives. Because here, Tychicus, what he does is tell them, let me tell you how Paul's doing, because they can pray for him, but also so he can encourage them. Let me tell you what Paul's been through, and he's still preaching the gospel. At the end of Acts, Paul under house arrest, still preaching the gospel. Over and over, God, Paul said, you know, we hear Paul say, you know, there are folks who are out there preaching thinking they're hurting me because they're trying to stir up things to, to make me look bad and, and feel bad here in prison. But it's the best thing ever. Christ is being preached. Over and over again, he would talk about how no matter what the circumstances were, his goal was that Christ would be preached. And it happened. And so the encouragement that Tychicus would give these folks, the encouragement that we give each other is so very precious. Y'all have anybody in your life that can look you in the eyes and go, you know what? You really do matter. You, I love you. You make a big difference. That's what we are. We can be for each other. It's to see each other. And to say what needs to be said as those reminders that we're not walking through this world alone, 
We're in this together. Verse 23 and 24, the last one. He says, Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. I think we, we help also by affirming the love that God has for all of us and that what we have for each other. That reminder of what God has done, who he is, and who we are because of Christ. We, uh, as we go through this world, we need so many times just reminders of the truth, of what God does, how he's there, and reminders of how we are here together and how much we need each other. need some encouragement this evening. You need prayers. We're here together just for that. You need to respond. Would you come now as we stand and sing? Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away in the morning when I die, hallelujah, by him by, I'll fly away when the shadows of this life have grown. I'll fly away Like a bird from prison bars has flown I'll fly away I'll fly away, oh glory I'll fly away in the morning When I die, hallelujah, by and by I'll fly away Just a few more weary days And then I'll fly away To a land where joy shall never end I'll fly away I'll fly away morning when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Lord's Supper is left prepared in our fellowship hall. If you're unable, unable to partake this morning, you can make your way there now and we'll be served. David, I'm going to call an audible. If you'll grab a song book, we'll sing 647, Soldiers of Christ Arise, uh, for our closing song. 647, Soldiers of Christ Arise. <clears throat> Again, uh, remember the Ellisons in your prayers. Um, if you would, remember Braden and Haley Havard in your prayers. Haley will become a mother today. and Braden got some good news, so there's good things happening and things to be mindful of. Uh, some of our young folks that are bouncing around.
Let's sing together. Leslie, it was a good lesson. Thank you. Uh,